Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Wednesday, January the 9th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Winkfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we are back at it for the coaches' search. We'll get you caught up on the latest, plus one of my favorite exercises of the entire year, off-season or otherwise. We're going to break down the off-season from the perspective of how the Dolphins could construct this roster in 2019 with allocations as far as money goes and resources spent. And we'll talk about that crazy national championship game on Monday night. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. And of course, check out LockedOnDolphins.com. And as we are wont to do here on the podcast and LockedOnDolphins.com, there is some crossover from LOD.com and this podcast. So check out that article called Predicting Miami's 2019 Roster Allocation. And of course, last but not least, the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts like the Lockdown Heat podcast and Lockdown NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's go. That's another Miami Dolphins and first down on today's Locked On Dolphins podcast is brought to you by MyBookie, where you play, you win, you get paid. And they tell us in the podcast industry to play the hits. What's the most relevant information to your team or your topic on that particular day? And I do that for the most part. But today I have to get something out there because I don't know where it came from. The cat is running around up here next to me. She's freaking out. And I think she might have stepped in her litter box or something. But I smell shit. There is the smell of shit up here somewhere and I can't locate it. So I'm doing this podcast, playing through the pain of my nose, smelling something foul all podcast long. So I had to get it out of the way and tell you guys because it's driving me nuts right now. Nonetheless, we press on, and we start here with this strange development in the Dolphins coaching search, which it sounds like right now, I reported that there was a second interview confirmed for Chris Richard, and that was not the case. I don't know where these reports come from. These people that have sources, quote-unquote sources online, and that's why I typically stay away from that side of this industry, of this business, because even when you do have sources, if they feed you false information half the time, what good is that? What good is putting out information that's only good half the time or even less than 90% of the time? So when I put out information for you guys, it's typically because I have something in my back pocket that I know is for sure, like the schedule last year. I had that down to a T. I knew it for sure. Had 100% source on that. The Teddy Bridgewater news from previously this season, something similar to those effects too. So this report that Chris Richard has a second interview is bunk. I don't think I've seen it anywhere else besides a one report according to quote unquote league sources. And the new report coming out that was really interesting and strange on Monday night was this report that Brian Flores has blown the Dolphins away in his one interview and is scheduled for a second round of interviewing. And the strangest thing came from a text I saw from my buddy Kevin Dern. You guys all know who he is. Talking about a tweet that was up from Jason Lockenfora, which he later deleted and then put another tweet up on Twitter talking about the possibility of the connection for Brian Flores, the Patriots defensive coordinator, and the Miami Dolphins head coaching job, and that Tom Garfinkel liked the tweet and then unliked it, and then Lock and Fora took it off altogether. So a strange development there. Adam Beasley of the Miami Herald believes 
that the job will in fact go to Brian Flores of the Patriots. So that certainly holds some water because Beasley has some pretty good connected sources and he's a guy that you can trust at least as far as you know that he was actually told that from somebody that has a connection to the Miami Dolphins. And then there's this article from Armando Salguero, also of the Miami Herald. You guys know who he is. And he is on this yellow journalism kick these days talking about the the ramifications of a tank or just how bad this team's going to be or how they flubbed their offseason already here on January 9th. Just so many negative thoughts put onto the website there. And I get that. That creates clicks and that creates buzz and conversation, which is how he gets paid. But it just seems like it's a bit much, a bit of a reach, like I said, yellow journalism. And he talked about how this rebuilding process is going to push fans away But that's not the sense I get at all, at least from the guys or the people on Twitter that are vocal about it. And I think Twitter's a great representation of fan bases in general. I mean, it's from what I can tell, the fans would very much welcome a rebuild and doing this thing the right way. And even though the R word, as I like to call it, is very ambiguous in the way it's received. I mean, you don't have to strip it all down and sell off your good young pieces. Rebuilding can just be as simple as cutting guys like Kiko Lonzo, Andre Branch, Devontae Parker, and the guys that don't contribute to your roster anyway, and that's where I think they're going. And then there's this little excerpt from a Salguero article up on Miami Herald. He says this, Miami's next ex-head coach is going to lose in 2019. What a great mindset that is, a great outlook to preface your column. To what degree? We don't know, because that is the team policy for at least a year. Everyone knows this. The candidate knows this. No, they're not going to try to lose games on purpose. Just stop. In the past two days, I've spoken with two sources close to two of the four candidates the Dolphins have interviewed so far, and they know the Dolphins' job isn't a great one, okay? They see the problems present and those ahead. They know. So I asked, why did you guys interview for the job anyway? One answer, because it's hard for minority coaches to be hired, and this is our chance. Come on, I don't believe that for half of a fucking second. If that was the case... In Miami, that would be the case in every other city across the National Football League. And I'm not doubting in any way, shape, or form that there is a bias against African-American or minority head coaches. I'm sure there is, just like there is in most other walks of life, and it's terrible and it sucks. But to go to that degree to say the only reason the Dolphins are going to hire these guys is because they're black and they don't think they have a chance to get a job elsewhere is just beyond ludicrous. But nonetheless, there is a great shot for these coaches to get a job. I think both of them have a a good deal of credibility and a good deal of what's the word I'm looking for here requisite experience to get these jobs and they're both qualified for these jobs Brian Flores is cross-trained on almost every platform of a football team in the National Football League from the scouting side to offense to special teams and defense I can see where he would be impressive in that regard he's like the guy that was bagging groceries at age 18 and now he's 35 years old and he runs the whole damn store so I'm impressed by Brian Flores in that way I know he knows defense I know he worked under Belichick of course Belichick's tree is not quite impressive my top pick is still easily Chris Richard. I think they'd be wise to go that way. I think they will go that way because other coaching staffs are starting to assemble in the league. Sorry, I had to pause it there for a second because the cat jumped up on me again and we still have no sign of the smell. I don't know. Maybe it's me, but nonetheless, you guys aren't here to listen to that. Going back to the coaching staffs being assembled in the NFL, Bruce Arians is already in place in Tampa Bay and has assembled an awesome staff that includes Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich. I'm jealous of that. Cliff Kingsbury is now in Arizona. He's the new head coach there. And that, to me, with the Jets pursuing Kingsbury and Adam Gase, it tells me that Adam Gase 
he ain't leaving the AFC East. So that'll be an interesting rivalry there if that is in fact what happens. And the point of all this is the fact that the Dolphins waiting for these coaches to come out of the playoffs. I mean, there's nothing else you can really do. I don't want to skip on a good candidate because of that, but it does suck. And it does put you behind the eight ball because these other staffs are being assembled and the Dolphins have to wait to hire the head coach. These staffs need to get put together because the senior bowl is less than two weeks away. You need to have your staff ready and prepped for your program, for that game, for that scouting process. That's a big part of the offseason. The Dolphins need to act sooner rather than later. And I'm sure all of this information will be outdated by the time you guys hear this. That's how podcasts kind of work. And that's where we are presently as 9 o'clock Eastern on this Tuesday night. But in this next segment, one of my favorite segments or exercises I do all year long. We'll get to that next after a word from my bookie. The NFL playoffs are here and it's time for you to get in on the action with my bookie. Don't be that guy sitting around with your friends and family watching the games with no rooting interest. Not this year, not when Super Bowl 53 is right around the corner. It really is the best time of year for football fans. Make sure you're ready for the daily action by signing up at MyBookie today. They pay fast when you win. Ownership really cares about quality customer service and they offer some of the craziest props in the industry. Where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. And if you want to make some money this playoff season, you got to go to my bookie. I trust them, but you don't have to take my word for it. Check them out yourself. You can join now and my bookie will offer you a 50% deposit bonus to make sure you have a nice bankroll for the upcoming January season and roll it into March Madness. Just use promo code locked on when you deposit to activate that offer. That's promo code locked on for a 50% deposit bonus at my bookie where you play, you win, you get paid. My season predictions did not quite go as planned here on this Wednesday, January the 9th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Your host, Travis Winkle, with you guys here in the second segment, the off-season preview part, what, three or four is it now, of the podcast of this January season. But my in-season prediction record, not so great. Had 10-6, and six, Dolphins finished 7-9. and nine. Ryan Tannehill, the offense did not go anywhere near like I thought it would. I whiffed on that. But the good news is I can corroborate my own credibility with my off-season success rate, predicting Josh Sitton coming here, predicting Minka Fitzpatrick, Kalen Balaj, Mike Kosicki, had all those picks right, pretty much had the positions and how the Dolphins would allocate resources towards those guys in the correct order, had the Mike Pouncey cut, plenty of things out there they did that I predicted they would do, so pat myself on the back there because I sucked in my season predictions So this is the time of year where I suppose I really thrive. Let's go ahead and get right into this because I talked about in the previous segment that people tend to think that rebuilding means something that I don't think that it actually means. And everyone seems to have a different version of it because I put it up on Twitter and you guys have come back with some very different, unique responses to what rebuilding actually means. And a lot of you are saying, don't sign anybody over 26 years old. Don't even approach free agency. Don't do this, don't do that. And my response to all of that is, You have a finite amount of resources to make your football team better, to make your roster better, to make your product on the field better. And free agency is one of those resources, just like the draft and just like trades. And though trades have increased in recent years, if you limit yourself just to the draft and those few trades you can make, that really pigeonholes what you can do as far as expanding your roster and expanding your ability to make the roster better. 
So the idea of this article, which is titled Predicting Miami's 2019 Roster Allocation, it started off as a alternative to tanking idea that this roster wasn't quite as bad as it was supposed to be or that people are assuming it's going to be, but it turned into something else. It evolved as I was writing it. I'm actually really proud of the writing in it. I think it's some of my better work as far as just the writing goes, but just looking at some of the areas the Dolphins have to address and trying to assign which resources they will use. Obviously, we all know the most valuable resource any organization has is its first round draft pick, but also the salary cap ramifications, so much that goes into this. And the idea is that the offense really doesn't have that many glaring holes they're going to have to button up. And now I put a very big caveat, a very big disclaimer in this article right off the top to tell you that I understand that getting a quarterback is very, very difficult. And I wrote this. The column is going to marginalize the difficulty of finding and acquiring the quarterback. Hitting on the quarterback is the single most difficult thing an NFL organization must do. I know that. So just know that I know that. But it's one of two really big holes on this offense for my money. And it starts off on the offensive line where I talk about the fact that you have Laramie Tunzel, your left end, your left tackle, one of two bookends. And that brings us to the first priority for me, which is re-signing Jawan James. Because frankly, you are not going to improve your football team as far as a value standpoint and a production to value standpoint at the right tackle position if you go on the open market. Jawan James will come back cheaper than the top tackle available, which is not even an attractive name to begin with. So if you want to buy free agents on the offensive line, you are going to lose value. It's like buying a brand new car. Once that thing drops off the truck, you lose 10% in value because you have to pay more competing against multiple teams for marginal talent. So Jawan James has to come back. On the interior of the offensive line, Jesse Davis had a bad year. I think we all agree on that, but he is a serviceable right guard and he's okay as your fifth or sixth best lineman. The left guard, Josh Sitton, I understand that's going to give plenty of people a lot of pause if he is the quote unquote plan A at left guard because he has a bad recent injury history and he's on the wrong side of 30 years old, but he's here. He's under contract. You don't have to go out and find anybody else to make that move to be a starting left guard. What I would do beyond Josh Sitton at left guard, and I would bring him back to play left guard, is I would use a mid-round draft pick, like a third or a fourth, on a swing guard, a guy that can maybe take Jesse Davis's job, and if not, he can be your top interior swing lineman. And that gives you four quality linemen or four starting linemen that you can feel at least good about. And that leaves one of the glaring holes at the center position. And I think that's where Miami has to find stability. It's been a wreck for a long time. Even when Mike Pouncey was here, he was often injured and unable to play, which creates continuity issues on your offense from a trickle-down effect, really, in the centerpiece of that offense. So his lacking in terms of being available and this year's absolute failure at the position is really a detriment to this offense. So center is the marquee piece outside of quarterback on this offense because at running back, I think you can go untouched there. Kenyon Drake, Kalen Balaj, Brandon Bolden, even Snorris Perry. You're pretty much good. And at receiver, it's similar. Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant come back. I think you move on from Danny Amendola. Devontae Parker's a pretty obvious one. So that gives you Stills, Wilson, and Grant. And then Bryce Butler is there. In my opinion, he competes for that fourth job for the X receiver position. He costs only 800 grand. He's here for a year. He produced this year immediately right away in the offense. I think he's a good bet to be back and you can try to get some competition on the roster 
in the back end of the draft or in free agency in the bargain level with him. Tyrell Williams of the Chargers was a name that I pulled up. Even maybe Devin Funchess or possibly a Kevin White, maybe even Rashard Matthews. I don't know. Someone that you don't really expect to make a big splash to compete with Bryce Butler. And then tight end is kind of the same thing. I mean, Mike Kosicki and Durham Smythe, you want to see growth there, but if it doesn't happen, you're screwed because Nick O'Leary and Marquise Gray are not great options behind him. That might be another spot the Dolphins have to go bargain shopping and try to find a veteran that can at least give you a little bit of a fallback in case Kasicki and Smythe don't step forward. And then, of course, the quarterback. We don't got to talk about that any further. I think it's going to be Teddy Bridgewater as the free agent, and they're going to have to draft somebody too. You guys know by now Kyler Murray is my top choice. Beyond that, second round, maybe Easton Stick, maybe Drew Locke, maybe Brett Rippon, someone of that mold to kind of groom under Bridgewater and be a guy that can be on the roster because, frankly, right now all they have is Ryan Tannehill and Luke Falk. And I think we all expect Tannehill to get cut. So the offense at quarterback, a free agent and a rookie, Bridgewater and Murray, hopefully. Running back, Drake Balage bolden Wide receiver, Stills, Wilson, Grant, Butler, and a free agent. Tight end, Gasicki, Smythe, O'Leary, and a free agent. Tackle, Tunzel, James, and a free agent for the swing tackle. Guard, Sitton, Davis, and a round three, round four rookie. And then center, a free agent. And bring Travis Swanson back to be the backup center and the seventh offensive lineman on the interior there. So that's the offense. Let's go ahead and flip things over to a side of the football that might be a little bit more wanting. Even though there's more young talent on this side of the ball, there's more apparent holes. They obviously have to move on from guys like Andre Branch, Kiko Alonso, Akeem Spence, and maybe even Robert Quinn, maybe even TJ McDonald. But we'll go ahead and start on the secondary in that back end of the defense with a guy like Rashad Jones, who could be moved. I don't think he will be because the cash owed is essentially guaranteed this year. And he's just, his contract is going to be very difficult to move. I don't think it'll happen this offseason. So you assume he comes back. And that provides a great prelude into either priority number one or number two. I'm not quite sure yet. Jawan James is one of those. But the other one is this. Make Xavier Howard the highest paid cornerback in the NFL. Just do it. He's an elite cover guy. He takes the ball away. The defense is awful when he's not out there. He does have the two knee injuries in three years, but they aren't long-term sustained injuries like ACLs or ruptures or tears, anything of that sort. He probably could have played late in the year, but the Dolphins held him out. He is a guy you can build your defense around, especially if Chris Richard comes in here and makes this defense similar to what Seattle's is in the cover one, cover three, press man type of stuff they want to run in Seattle. So make Xavier Howard the highest paid cornerback. Get him back. You move Bobby McCain into the slot and you never take him out of there. He's always a slot cornerback. Rashad Jones patrols the box as your strong safety and Minka Fitzpatrick plays some free safety and the big nickel, the position that made him a star at Alabama and early on in his rookie year before his struggles started to happen. That leaves the cornerback number two job open where the Dolphins are going to have to put some some type of resource into whether it's money or a draft pick. And this one's tricky because they do have Cordray Tankersley, Cornell Armstrong, and Jalen Davis. All three of those guys played some this year, although Davis is a slot corner pretty much only. But that trio has promise, but you can't go into the season expecting one of those three to jump up and take that job in the way they thought Torrey McTire or Cordray Tankersley could. They have to make an addition there. But it's tricky because, like I said, Howard gets all this money I'm paying him. McCain has a pretty big contract. Jones is making buku bucks. You have a lot of cash allocations to the secondary in general. So can you go out and spend on a Morris Claiborne? I don't think so. A Bradley Roby? Probably not. Pierre Desir? Maybe. Jason Verrett? A guy that is more of a reclamation project after more injuries set in. The Dolphins are going to have to approach it that way or use a middle round draft pick on the cornerback. I would go after a free agent and just try to make the secondary a strength. A lot of teams are afraid to strengthen a strength. 
strength. I would be all about that. Make the secondary dominant, not just a good one. And if you are going to spend that money on a cornerback too, there are three positions the Dolphins can kind of scrape some money off of because it's very cheap right now and put some more money into the secondary. That, of course, is running back and tight end and linebacker, which we talk about now as Rayquan McMillan, just 17 months off of ACL surgery, came on like total gangbusters down the stretch in 2018. And former Buckeye, fellow former Buckeye Jerome Baker had himself a dazzling rookie season as well. You can cut Kiko Alonso 7.9 million in cash owed. And that leaves the Dolphins linebackers with a mere $2.2 million committed to linebackers. It's Alonzo, or it's McMillan, it's Baker, and Chase Allen, who could conceivably serve as the third linebacker in 2019. But the Dolphins do have flexibility. They can go after a free agent. They can go after a late draft pick because, frankly, that third linebacker shouldn't be that hard to find. They could. This is an idea I had because of the Chris Richard connection. Sean Lee is probably going to get one of those Brent Grimes one-year type of deals where he has to prove himself because of all the injuries. I would be interested in that. I wouldn't go too crazy on it, but I would definitely explore it. And then we go ahead to the defensive line where Robert Quinn and Cam Wake are both there as one is a free agent Wake Quinn, the other one is due 13 million bucks. And because they're so similar and because I think I can get Wake in a pass rush specialist role, a guy that has taken hometown discounts his entire career in Miami, I am going to go ahead and cut Quinn and save that money and give Wake a nice little seven, eight million dollar paycheck once again. But beyond that, we are really barren on the defensive end cupboard in Miami because beyond Wake and Charles Harris, there is nothing there. After you ax Andre Branch and Robert Quinn, that's it, just Wake and Harris. So this is where the bulk of the Dolphins' resources have to go outside of the quarterback position this offseason, whether it's the first-round pick if you can't find the quarterback and your top dollar in free agency, probably your biggest buy, will be at defensive end. Now, can the Dolphins go out and pursue a Demarcus Lawrence, a Frank Clark, a Jadavian Clowney? I doubt it. I don't see why those guys would sign in Miami and why the Dolphins would want to give that quarterback money to a defensive end on a team that really isn't ready to compete for a Super Bowl yet. I think you're looking again at reclamation projects like Dante Fowler, like Marcus Golden, maybe even Ezekiel Ansah in Detroit. Guys that are oft injured and can get that one-year prove-it type of deal. Guys you don't have to put a bunch of cash commitments to down the line into the future. But the good news is those high-end options could push some of the middle bargain level guys up into an affordable rate on the defensive end market. A guy like Ethan Westbrooks in Los Angeles could be a good option for Miami. Or you could even kick the tires on a third year on William Hayes coming back from his second consecutive injury in Miami. So that position is going to require some total overhauling inside a defensive tackle. Devon Gotcha and Vincent Taylor both are cheap. They're young. They're arrow up players and they have quality resumes to their names already in two years. You're going to have to find a third and fourth rotational guy in that mix. It could be Jamius Pittman, a guy that got playing time this year. Maybe you re-sign Sylvester Williams or Ziggy Hood. I'm not sure, but they're going to have to find some depth at defensive tackle. So you put it all together. And what does this mean? Defensive end is a free agent. Cameron Wake, a second round draft pick because I am putting that first round draft pick on the quarterback. And Charles Harris, defensive tackle, Vincent Taylor, Devon Godshaw, and then a combination of Ziggy Hood, Jamius Pittman, a free agent, Sylvester Williams, and a day three pick there at linebacker, Baker, McMillan, and a free agent slash Chase Allen. We'll see what happens with that. Cornerback, Xavier Howard, a free agent, Bobby McCain, Cornell Armstrong, Jalen Davis, Cordray Tankersley, and then at safety, Rashad Jones, Minka Fitzpatrick, and TJ McDonald. And I realize there's not 53 players on that spot. I'll predict that as the offseason gets closer because it's kind of crazy to try to predict 53 guys. But that's the idea. That's the vision. That's the allocation of this roster that I am seeing for 2019 and where this roster has strengths and weaknesses and how the Dolphins can commit their certain resources to those particular spots. 
All right, that segment went on a little bit long. We're going to close this podcast up here talking about the national championship game and some changes to my personal life. We'll do that next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingful NFL at Locked On Fins. Would you guys believe it if I told you I recorded that last segment in one take? I'm lying. No, I didn't. It only took me a couple, but I got through most of it talking about the Dolphins off-season exercise. Again, check out that column up on LockedOnDolphins.com. It's a little bit more, it's easier to kind of ingest when you read it opposed to listening to me on the podcast. I realize most of you guys probably listen to this on your way into work. It's your morning commute audio, if you will, and I appreciate you guys that do do that. But again, LockedOnDolphins.com for a more in-depth look at that last segment. And real quick here, let's go ahead and talk about the fact that my life is changing a little bit here as I am now officially enrolled at Washington State University taking classes this spring semester, they call it in this part of the year. I don't know why it's spring and not winter. Nonetheless, it's the spring semester. I am there. I'm driving back and forth about an hour every day from campus back home. It's a bit of a jaunt. Some of the podcasts are going to come from my buddy's house who I'm staying at on Mondays and Wednesdays. I will probably write a article or two fewer per week as the offseason goes along here, but don't worry. I'm going to have all the film breakdowns, all the stuff you guys loved last year on the podcast, on the site will be up this year. But one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this new schedule was that my buddy has a PlayStation 4. He is a gamer and I am not that at all. I stopped playing PlayStation back around the like the 2010 Madden days when it was on PlayStation 2. I thought those were some of the best games ever made and just didn't convert to the newer consoles, the more advanced consoles. But he got me into Red Dead Redemption 2, and I can see why you guys love that game so much. Holy hell, Grand Theft Auto, Come to the Wild West. That game was freaking awesome. If I develop an addiction on that and the podcast starts to suffer, please tell me to stop doing that because basically, in lieu of the podcast, it would be RDR2. I don't want that to happen, but I can see how it could. I have a very addictive personality, but nonetheless... I am trying to stay strong on that. And real quick here before we finish the podcast up, did you guys watch that national championship game with Trevor Lawrence? My God, what an impressive, impressive athlete and impressive quarterback. I remember watching him in the Clemson spring game back in April and saying, yeah, that guy can do it. Throwing the ball to T. Higgins, who is also a freshman. And that team is just absolutely loaded. And I don't see how they don't win it all again, at least one more time under Trevor Lawrence. As far as Tua Tungabaloa goes, I know everyone's going to kill him for that effort last night. He had a bad game as far as, I guess the stat line goes and just trying to complete passes against that talented Clemson defense. He didn't play his best game against Georgia either. So lots of questions arise from that. Whatever. Everyone can take have those takes. I'm still taking Tua Tungabailoa with the first draft pick in the 2020 draft, but that's not here. That's for another day. But as for this day and for this podcast, that is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at LockdownFins and keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog over at LockdownDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.